Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. Uh, now, we've just had coming back a team of, of six folks from this church in Lebanon. Number six, who's the team leader, is coming back this afternoon. Uh, the rest of the team has been here this week, and they're going to catch us up and share with us not just stories about their trip, but also ways that it's relevant for all of us. Because we say when one goes, we all go. So Luke's going to facilitate and the team, come on up. All right, I'm going to grab that mic, Brian. Thanks. Um, yeah, team, come on up, have a seat. We're going to have a little interview. This is our Lebanon team. Um, we're going to um, hear from them in just a minute. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I wanted to share a few things about Abraham in the Bible. So isn't, isn't that funny how that, how that worked out this morning? Um, I don't think, I, I didn't know there was a baby dedication coming up. Um, and we're, you know, we're getting a chance to hear from our team, um, going to Lebanon. And I just want to kind of put it in a framework of why do we do this kind of thing? Like, why do we spend money and give time and get behind a team and go to another side of the world, um, to serve others? And two scriptures that have been on my mind a lot this past week is, uh, Galatians 3.8. And, this is what Paul says in Galatians 3. He says, Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. And in, he announced the gospel in advance to Abraham that all nations will be blessed through you. Oh, well, that's interesting. How, how is the gospel announced to Abraham? Um, and then, and, and then going back to that scripture in, in Genesis 12, um, this is after creation and after the curse and the fall of, pe- of, of humanity and the flood and just you know, kind of a, the mess that is in, and then God comes to Abraham and says, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed by you. And, and that's a piece of the gospel. Because the gospel starts with this idea that God has not left us. He's not left us to the curse. He's not left us to the mess of, of, of human rebelliousness. He's actually broken in and started a whole mission through the scripture that ends with Jesus the Messiah. And we announce the good news that we now have, through faith, can have rightness with God, blessing from God through Jesus Christ. And so we do things like loving others. We do things like being a light in our community. We do things like going to Lebanon because we are a blessing. It's who we are as the church. We're the sent people of God to bring the blessing of the Lord all over the earth. And so we're going to take a few minutes this morning just to kind of unpack a real practical thing that we've done um, at Mercy Hill. And uh, we're going to have a little interview. And um, I feel like you guys should have like jerseys on with numbers, you know. I don't <laughs> um, but um, so I, I'd love, Jenny, why don't we start with you? I'd just love to uh, hear, just give us like a overview of what you guys did, what the trip was about, just kind of the 10,000 you know, foot perspective of what's going on. Hello? Okay, it's on. Um, We partnered with Kids Alive over there. And if you don't know, which I'm sure you don't, Kids Alive is a ministry serving um, orphans, the underprivileged, the refugees over there. They have a home for boys. They um, home 20 boys that either they're they have no parents, they're orphans, or their parents can't provide for them and have adequate care or take care of them. So, um, and then they have a school for 120 children. Um, these are 100 of the 120, I believe, are Syrian refugees. And if you don't know, the Syrians have moved over into Lebanon. And it's not like America where we just give everybody the right to education. 
they have no right to education there. So Lebanon tolerates them being there, but they don't provide for them. So these children now have been in um, Lebanon for six years and have zero education if it weren't for this school. Um, it's, it's huge. It's huge. So, um, so we put on a kids camp for them because it's the summer. It's a, it's kind of like VBS, you know, from 9 a.m. to 3.30, we did Bible songs and Bible stories and crafts and, um, all that kind of thing. So, and in the mix of the week, we did home visits. So we got to go on the ground and see where these kids really are coming from, what life is really like for them. And that's just a general of what happened during the week. You want to add anything to that? What kind of the general overview of what you did? Good. That pretty much sums it up. Okay. So uh, this, you guys can jump in and kind of just back and forth. This is pretty fluid. We just want to hear from you guys this morning. Um, maybe maybe um, you guys have had a week since you've been back, right? Um, as you've reflected on the week, you know, what did you see the Lord doing through Three different things, either one, either through the ministry that you were part of, like how is God moving through these folks? How is he moving in you? Um, and we'll, we'll stick with those two things. A- any kind of stories of as you reflected, like what, what did you see the Lord do in the ministry or what did you see the Lord do in yourself? Um, well, you just talked about the verses that, you know, the few verses you brought up. And you mentioned like God breaking in and like what we've seen there is like God totally breaking in to a group of people that without these Christians being the body of Christ and living out um, their faith and their love, um, we don't know where they would be, um, the refugees. And there were some Lebanese people there too that um, were desperately in need for like um, the schooling and stuff, but um what we've seen God doing there is incredible. Um, to see these people serving day in and day out for the cause of Christ and for reaching out to the broken. And like Jenny was saying, like the, the kids that would probably not get an education, um, it was just evident. And, and it's just all because they want to serve, just to glorify God. That's all we heard all week long is just to glorify God, the teachers there are just, they just poured out their lives really for these people so that they would know the Lord. So. Um, I think for me, just realizing in a whole different way, I guess, just dealing with refugees, which I've really never had the experience to do that, but, um, it was just really eye opening to me going to the home visits and meeting with the families and like hearing their stories and just knowing like we're working with the kids all week and we, we were, and just seeing them smile, you know, just like working with any other children's ministry here in the States too. But then going to the home visits and hearing the backgrounds of where they've come from, you know, it kind of just changed a lot of my perspective and saying like, it's not just, you know, another kid. It's, it's each kid is special. Each kid has a background that we don't really know. And they all have, maybe, maybe they went through abuse. Maybe they went, whatever it was, like just knowing and hearing at least some of the kids that we got to um, meet their parents and stuff. And like, you know, they're, they're having to hide um, when they were heading to Syria, you know, like when they, like there's people shooting at them, whatever it was, you know, like 
these kids have come from like traumatic backgrounds and just their families are broken and hurt, you know? So just applying that back here into the States, what was that? Um, (laughs) and uh, yeah, just applying that back here in the States though. And just saying like, even here in the States, we have that the same amount here where like the kids, we don't know where they come from. We don't know the background. So even working in children's ministry, you know, like down here, like really just looking at it in a whole new outlook, you know, like pouring out into these kids and knowing that kids are just so important as well and that they are listening to you. And even though sometimes they're running around with their heads cut off, you know, but they are and they they do pick up on things. And it's just beautiful because I've heard countless stories of just, you know, the kids ministering to the parents, you know, and that's just the coolest thing ever. Like, like, man, like I, if I was a parent and I didn't know the Lord and like my kid was the one that was like witnessed, witnessing to me, like that's just, I don't know, that's just special. And I heard, I've heard countless stories of that. So I don't know, just being aware and knowing like the surroundings and that having like a softened heart towards just people all around me here in, in America too. So. Yeah, I went with the intention. I, I was scared first to uh, even go on a mission trip. God had me in, in the um, audience out there last summer, and the Spirit just overcame me with I needed to go on a mission trip. He was commissioning me to go on a mission trip. Ask money, asking for fundraising is very humbling. Uh, I mean, asking for money is very humbling. I feel low where I can't really put trust in other people to uh, help me out. So fear was that that was a big problem of mine. So I went on the trip thinking about just, I was going to hide behind the camera and photos, uh, videos and stuff like that. And the second day that Tony got there, he missed, um, he missed the, uh, the flight, but he got there Monday night. And on Tuesday we were involved with, um, involved with doing crafts and stuff through the, uh, the kids camp. And, um, Tony got, me engaged into helping with the kids. From that moment on, he said, Dirk, go, go help with, uh, go help with the crafts. I then put the camera down and I started getting involved more with the kids and it was so fulfilling. And in one of the, those breakout sessions we had was, um, Tim had talked about, um, fear. What, what are you afraid of? And, um, so then we broke into small groups with a teacher and interpreter and, they went around, the kids were saying they were scared for their parents and, and situations I, they came from. And then it was my turn and I said, well, guys, you know, what I'm afraid, what am I afraid of was coming here. I didn't even get the words out of my mouth. And then one kid stood up, he had to be six or seven years old and he said, why? Why are you afraid? And because I said, I didn't know anything about you guys. And from that moment on, I mean, it was just, it was so fulfilling and Trying to not let fear grip you, that translated to uh, this week for me because it um, wasn't a good week. The enemy was on uh, attack, and um, I'm just not going to let fear take me anymore. So, you know, Dirk, I think, am I right in thinking that you brought your camera, you're going to help take photos and videos and that kind of thing? And then you mentioned Tony, and Tony is 
the sixth member of our team that he's he's actually returning today, correct? Um, he's been here this past he, he stayed there for one more week with another team, um, so we'll need to welcome home him home today. Um, but you came you know, wanting to take pictures and stuff, but then you know God just really kind of broke you out of that out of that a little bit, and and I think it strikes me that when we when we move outside of our zone, that we think this this is what I think I'm going to do. This is what I think God has me here for, and are willing to move over to this box. There's usually a major blessing even for ourselves, um, which is not where we go. We don't go on mission trips. Be like I'm going to I'm going to go here so I can get something. But God often does that, doesn't He? He like He, he as we give to others, He often gives to us. And I think that's how, how His economy works. Um, that's good. Um, I, a couple of you guys mentioned home visits. Could you guys give just a maybe a story or two of what it was like to go to a home visit? Yeah. Um, this one really stuck on my heart, and this week I've just been thinking about them and praying. And I know there's a – did you send the picture in there, um, the one with the hajib? But anyways, so we've been doing this camp, and you know they're poor kids. Okay, you know, you know that. And then you walk up to the first house. You know, you're driving down the street. You see the stores. You see the street. You go, well, where's their home? You start walking down the hill, and you're like, where are we? And it's like a hollowed out, what did you call it, electric? An old substation. It's like a hollowed out just structure. And so you walk down in there, um, and there is no electric. Well, they had electricity. They're borrowing, you know, to hook in from somebody else. But they have no bathroom, no kitchen, no water. It's just a structure. No toilet. No beds. It's literally just a structure with a shanty roof, and there's like a little bit of space between the roof and there. So if it rains, they're in trouble. It gets 90 degrees, you know. It was 90 degrees this week. There's no air. Um, the winter gets down to 40. That's a problem. So um, they're just surviving. They've left Syria where they, she said, you know, we had a house. We had a kitchen. I had everything. And she goes, I come here. And the front half of the house, they had put cement down just so they could sit. It. But it was a chicken coop. She goes, why would I come here to live in a chicken coop? And she just started crying. Um, she has four kids. There's three older girls. The oldest two are in the school, I believe. And the youngest, he's one, and he's got a cleft palate. And he needs a surgery. There's no, there's, they can't get the surgery. Um, you know, they have no access to that. And he keeps getting sick, gets into his lungs because of that. And so, but they walk up us in. Um, we came and there's an old worn out leather couch covered in flies, covered in flies. Please sit down. And of course you sit down, but it was kind of like, ugh, you know, and I've got bites all over my ankles. And I just made me think, you know, those old commercials where the Africans had the flies all over their face. And you're like, that's sad. These are, these kids, they're just sitting there with the flies all over their face, not swatting them away. It's that bad. It's that bad. And they're, the dad goes from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. to try to find work, but they don't have work authorization there, um, to maybe make $20 a day. And if there's no work, he comes home with nothing. And that's what they're surviving on for a family of six. And it's just like, so to go from serving these kids to see what how bad their reality is, that was the perspective changing for everything of, of how much the school is important and how much what the school is doing. The school gives them a hot meal every day at lunch. Like, you know, the first few days we just thought, okay, it's lunchtime. But once you see that, they would even let the kids come up and get seconds. Like, that's, it was just great. And it has a smile in serving these kids or the kids get to go to the bathroom in the day. You know, the things we don't think about 
they have time to play with their friends. They have connection. If they didn't have the school, they'd be at home with no place to go all day. So it was huge, huge to see that. Um, and the one lady, her name's Dala, if you can think to pray for her with the cleft palate. She just really touched my heart. Any other, any other experience about visiting a home or, you know, um, anything else that struck you? We, towards the latter part of the week, we went um, to uh, their other school, uh, New Horizons, it's called, and that's in uh, Sidon. And um, we went to um, some gypsies' um, home visits for the older boys that were in the program. Um, so here we have a whole crew, six of us come in, and they're, like Jenny said, they're, they're shanties, you know, chicken coops at best. And um, we go in, and there's just all six of us, everybody crowds around us, and they want to get, they, they don't have anything, but yet they want to give you stuff. And that was, again, it was just so humbling. And it was hard for me to, to grasp. We got done with a home visit, uh, Dalam, and we went, um, we went back to the school and we were eating dinner. And, and I, they didn't have anything. And I, the guilt I know is, is there, but how to deal with it is, it's a different story. Cause I, I, I'm sitting there eating this and they don't have, they don't have anything like that. So. Yeah, pray for these families. The, the Syrian refugee thing is so bad over there. They don't do anything. They just sit all day because there's no work, there's and heat, and they don't get any money. So then the fathers feel like they have to provide, and they start selling their girls into um, prostitution and human trafficking just to get money for their family because that, that's the situation they're in. It's bad. It's bad, you guys. And we need to open our eyes to the rest of the world and not just focus on, on America. That's good. Yeah, amen. Amen. Um, you know, Tim, I was hearing a little bit from you earlier this week about some of the home visits. Um, and w- you were saying some things about just like what you thought the importance of the home visits were. Like what, 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 like what did that actually what did that actually do for the people? And it wasn't just like, hey, we're, we're going there just to like see how you live. That, that you know, that wasn't that wasn't it. So talk a little bit about why you did it. First of all, I want to say thank you to Dirk for all the complimentary pictures of myself up here. <laughs> They're very, very nice compared to everyone else's. Thank you, Dirk. Um, <clears throat> However, um, yes, I, we, we, from our hearts, want to say thank you to the Lord and thank you to Mercy Hill um, for whatever reason that, that you were supporting and do support things like this. You are an extension, and we are just the hands and feet of what you have had faith for, whether that's been financially or whether that's been through prayer. And prayer was 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 key it was key i know that i know that at least uh, uh at least jenny and myself and some others were having some some dreams when we arrived to lebanon that were uh we did not feel were of the lord they were distracting they were lies and uh dreams that i've continued to have since i've been back and i'm trying to sort through those with the lord but they're different they're very very different um and so our our hearts are full of gratefulness because 
because of you who have uh, represented the body of Christ by giving and by praying, um, praying me through, uh, you know, thank you to my family who came to the airport and, you know, uh, you know, knew how afraid I hadn't flown in 33 years and knew how afraid I was. And, and uh, Jocelyn, who told me how to not be afraid and to rebuke the devil and go in the bathroom in the plane and rebuke the devil so that nobody thinks, but so much, so much great stuff for us. And I made it through an incredibly, the Middle East of all places, my first trip out of the country, my first trip that far. Why the Middle East? Because because God sometimes takes you to the places that you never, never anticipate in your life, right? And so as we visit these home visits, and when we say home visits, we aren't, we're talking about, we're talking about sh- just shacks in the hills or, you know, those containers at railroad, uh, railroad yards, uh, how they got those deep into the valleys, I don't know, but, uh, and this was just our experience, and there's millions upon millions of, of refugees in this and worse situations. So the children that you see up here, not those children, uh, the, the children that you see up on the screen are the children that, that we not only got to interact with 70, 70 children every day, but they were also the children that we went to their homes. So the homes, although they're dressed nice and they're looking nice and they're clean, some of those are from the from the dorm where we lived, and some of them lived exactly where we went to visit. So my first visit was on, when did we start the visits? Wednesday night. So my very first visit was with Ryan and a couple of the team. And then Denise, if any, any of you remember Denise who came here from uh, from Dar el Awad, she, she was here from Kids Alive in Lebanon, spoke to us. And that's what really was inspiring me to go, was I, actually God was inspiring me through her, through Tony. So as we went to this very first um, home, which actually compared to all the other homes was pretty nice, but um, a Syrian refugee family, and they had spent, I, I believe this is the family, one of the families had spent five days just trying to get from Syria into Lebanon, and it took five days just because of all the violence. Their parents had been killed, his parents had been killed, the father, he's probably in his 30s, and um, and they they fled and left everything, their, their home, their land, everything gone. And they didn't even bring their papers. So as Jenny was saying, when they come and they flee for their lives, they've left everything, but they have no papers, no proof of citizenship, either as Le- as Lebanese people, which they aren't, or as Syrians. And so now they have nothing. And so to go any place means they have nothing. And then the government there has nothing for them and doesn't care to really produce anything for them or give them anything. So these are really... Uh, these children right here, the guy on the young man on my left, Rahid, he is, uh, he scared me. He just, I, he was Rashid. Rashid, he came from, uh, from one of the, the gypsy family homes. We went to his home and by the end of the week, this kid that you can see there with a little bit of a hardness of his, of his face and his heart, he was, he was smiling and he was giving it up for us because he felt and knew the love of Jesus and he wanted to serve us when we came to his home. So anyway, my first home, really briefly, was a, a man in his 30s with two kids. We all sat on the floor in a very small room, but it was a Saudi Arabian woman who owned this 
this complex, this, this condominium complex. She's very wealthy. She had divorced, and, but she moved to Lebanon, had lots of money. But she, from the stories that we heard, there was just something that we knew was, was evil in her life about how she treated this Syrian family. He was the gardener slash fix-it man, all of that kind of stuff. However, she would never, she would never let him take his wife to the doctor. She would never, the, the landlord, she would never let him take his kids to the doctor. And when the kids came home from uh, Kids Alive Lebanon, they had to stay inside. They could never go outside. They were never allowed to go outside. They weren't allowed to cook. She said, no cooking. I don't like the smell. No cooking. I don't like the smell of your food. And so they could only always make sandwiches or cheese or nuts. That's all they've ever been able to do there. Now, that's sad. But what's really sad is as he told us his story, he said, I, I'm in prison. I feel like I'm in prison. Well, this is all being interpreted. It's in Arabic. But I, I'm in prison. You know, my heart is breaking. I'm dead. I am dead. There's nothing. I have no hope. I have no hope except for my children, my children, my children. And those two children, one of whom had gone to Kahid. Eh, what is it? What's his name? Kahid. Kahid had go with Kahid. They won't know the difference, will they? Um, Kahid. Kahid, who, um, who was smiling the whole time we were there and his sister smiling. So much hope in their hearts because of kids alive and because of what kids alive is doing. So it truly, truly affected me. And so I came away that night in tears. I couldn't help crying all the way home. And it wasn't that their conditions were that deplorable. It was the hopelessness of where they were and their situation and a cruel, uh, a cruel woman under whom they worked. And yet he lives in fear because if he's thrown out, he's, he's got nothing. He's got nothing. And then it struck me something as simple it, you know, we've made it so complex in the States. Uh, by the way, people in Lebanon are incredibly hospitable. There's a, there's just a hospitality that reigns throughout that culture, whether they're Christian or Muslim or what, wherever they come from. And it was such a, such a joy to be a part of that. And, and then, and then we got back to O'Hare Airport and we realized it's a very different culture again, you know? It was so strange for us. But this is what's, this is basic. This is very basic and then I'll pass it on. And that is that, um, <clears throat> that, uh, Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They're weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. And Jesus loves all the little children of the world. Red, brown, yellow, black, and white. If you don't mind us being politically correct or incorrect, they're precious in his sight. And I lived that and breathed that in a whole new way. And not just the children that are somewhat easy to embrace and hug and they love you, but the child hearts that are in each of those parents and those adults that we met that are still children that have left their homes and are weeping and crying. And God has what I, what I shared with John Leitzel was I felt like what God did for us is that we have a way in our lives here and everywhere we go of, of having veils over our hearts and we kind of like those veils. And whether we're here or we're overseas, um, God asks us, um, I want to reveal my heart to you. So I'm going to take the veil away and I want you to see. 
And I want you to embrace what you see because it's my heart, it's my compassion for people in this world to know me and to be loved by me. So when God tears the veil that you put upon your heart around the people around you here in America, your family even, because we keep a certain wall up, when he tears that down, embrace it and say, God, show me your heart because he showed us his heart over there and we can never be the same could never be the same. Now, yes, we're going to get back used to the, um, you know, the Western way of life and all the stuff. It creeps back into our lives. But there's still something that says we'll never be the same because we've seen God's heart. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, thank you, Tim. That's good. That's awesome. Um, and that that's what we hope to have happen, right? That the Lord changes our hearts when we go and take steps of faith. Um, and, and one thing I want to ask just as, as we close up here is, um, what else did you sense that might be a word for us as a church? Was there anything that was on your heart, something that God did that you just thought, oh, I think, I think this impacts the way that we are missionaries even in Munster and Highland and Cherville and Northwest Indiana in our workplaces and in our, in our lives? I feel like... Um this is for us and for the church here, but you know, like somebody said, like the middle East is not somewhere I pictured myself going. And I was, I wasn't fearful of some of the other things that the other team members were fearful, fearful of when I began to get fearful was when I felt like I was in Muslim territory. When we went deep South into Lebanon, it began to get more real that there weren't as many Christians and everyone, all the women were covered, and it was, it was a different world for me. And I realized that I had been giving into the fear that we get here through the media that all Muslims are terrorists and that they hate Christians and they don't want you there and they don't want to be your friend. When we were walking through these houses or the the gypsy villages, we did feel a heavy sense. At least a few of us did. It it was dark, um, like I hadn't felt before in my life. When we were walking through overhead, the Muslim call to prayer was loud. We're in a different world. <laughs> we're in Muslim territory, and I felt fearful, like it was just different. And um, But they're so welcoming. They're they weren't looking at us. And, and again, we're, we're, if, if it would have been another country where Christianity is illegal, then that would have been a little different. We're in Lebanon, so we have some protection there. But, um, we, when we went south, most of them, the families were not Christians. And we're talking about praying the call, praying in front of us as the speaker's going off and while we're in their homes. And, um, but God just showed me that people, our people <laughs> do not fear. We can't fear our neighbors. We can't fear other people who look different, who are different. That is almost and the only way I can put it for me is it is stopping the work that God wants to do in my life. And I can be okay with that or I cannot. And this trip taught me I am not okay with that. And our, one of our hosts were, um, they're Americans. They've been living there for seven years. His wife, Sarah, 
started a ministry with the, with the lady there um, to reach out to the moms of the kids that go. And again, most of the kids are not, they don't come from Christian families, but this is the only shot at education, so their parents just send them. And um, the women were so welcoming. They didn't believe like we do, but Jenny got up and spoke. She shared her heart. She shared her testimony. She shared what God has done and is doing in her life. And the women were crying. They were open. They heard Jesus that day. And they didn't persecute us. <laughs> you know, they didn't kick us out, beat us up or anything. They are open. People are open. They may not be open to hearing you preach at them, but they're open to our love, to our hospitality towards them. They're open to us just being us towards them. And um, I told her, I said, I have neighbors, and I mean, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I, I, I have neighbors around the corner, I think they've moved now, but that were Muslim people, and I've been like, I can't talk to them, they don't want to hear from me, they don't want, you know, not that I don't want to talk to them, I feel like they don't want to hear from me, and she goes, well, now you know, now you don't have to be afraid, just go over there, and it was that, it, that's what it took for me to go to the Middle East, and so um, that is what God wants to do in all of us. But we have to just say, Lord, change my heart. Just step out. Do it scared. Just do it scared. And God God will move. So. That's good. That's good. Um, thank, thank you, guys. Thank you for going. Thank you for responding in faith, for being faithful. Thanks for sharing this morning in front of the congregation. I, I know that we've been encouraged, yes. Um, I think we've heard several things that God is speaking to us about. Um, so let, let's, let's pray, and then uh, we'll turn it back over to Brian. Um, Lord, you are the God of the nations. There is no one like you. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we worship and bless you, King Jesus. And thank you for this team that, that responded in faith to go serve in, in Lebanon. Thank you for... Um, the Welcome Network, thank you for Kids Alive. Thank you for those that are seeking to extend the blessing and the love of Jesus all over the world. And God, we, we cry out to you for those ministries. We cry out to you for um, our team here as they come back home, as they process and continue to think through what you were speaking about. Continue to guide them to all truth in, in the name of Jesus. And we want to be a, a church that responds locally to Lord, so continue to teach us to be a blessing to our neighbors of all nationalities, all backgrounds, all socioeconomic backgrounds. And we give you our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys.